0: Matthew 28, Matthew 27 this morning, the text will be on the screen behind me, they'll be on the screen if you're at home with us this morning, you go to the YouVersion Bible app, if you go to more events, Heritage Church of Christ will pop up, the scriptures and this morning's message notes will be there as well, if you find that to be convenient in an app that um, I know for one I use quite often, um, it might be, a, might be a good place for you to be this morning, on your phone. So um, we uh, as we approach Easter, we've been in the gospel of Matthew since Christmas. We have been paying attention to Matthew's story of Jesus Christ, the story of Emmanuel, the God who came to be with us, and the God who teaches really hard things, and the God who challenges us to think through parables. The God, the Emmanuel who moves and changes lives through miracles and presence. But above all, in Matthew's story of this Jesus, this is the story of new life, of resurrection life. I remember the first day of kindergarten like it was yesterday. I was terrified out of my mind to be going to big kids school for the very first time. I didn't know anyone who was going to be in my kindergarten class. I didn't know what to expect or what was going to happen. And so I was just, I remember, I can feel it now just talking about it, the terror of going to kindergarten on that first day, unsure of what was going to happen to me in that place, in that big school that I was going into. I remember very early As as I was dropped off and there's all these new kids, new kindergartners, my new peers running around, our teacher gathers us together and she lines us up um, for the very first time. And as I'm standing in line, terrified of what is going to happen, the kid in front of me turns around and goes, Hi, I'm Matt. What's your name? And Matt and I became very best friends in that moment. He was my best friend for many years, and in that moment, something new began, a new friendship, right? A new start, something bigger than I anticipated began to happen in just a simple, hello, I'm Matt, what's your name? Matt, when he introduced himself to me, became my friend, and that's how new beginnings happen. They happen quickly. They happen suddenly, and something new, a new story, a new friendship, a new hope, a new opportunity comes to us like that. And this is how Matthew ends his story of Jesus Christ. You see, this is good news for Matthew because Jesus is the good news. Emmanuel with us is the good news that doesn't suddenly end, it begins that it begins with something new. It's a new day. It's a new beginning. It's a new life. There's new opportunity, and there is certainly new hope in this ending in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. Jesus is risen from the dead. He is before his disciples as he's going to ascend into heaven. In the final words of Matthew's story of the good news that is Jesus Christ. Jesus came to them and said, Matthew 28, verse 18, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. See, the the ending of Matthew is the beginning of something new. It's the beginning of resurrection life. Matthew doesn't end. He begins. And the story of Jesus doesn't end in a tomb. It begins in an empty tomb, and a risen Savior who comes to us, and He gives us something new. We often call it the Great Commission. It is the mission of being God's people in this world before us. This ending is a beginning. This ending is something new. This ending is the new opportunity. It is the moment that changes everything because Jesus is not dead. He is alive. And that life is the life to which we hold and tie ourselves to dearly this very day. But we need to pay attention to this this morning. So for a few moments, I want us to understand this one point this one thought together in this place. That the resurrection and our resurrection life begins with death. We know Jesus was crucified. Ryan read us a good portion of Jesus' crucifixion on the cross. Jesus' murder on the cross. We know, but... We also know that Jesus was raised from the dead, but I'm afraid that too often we don't coincide. We don't bring these two things together because we have to understand that new life and resurrection life came out of something so terrible and so gruesome and so, and so ending, so final. We had to move from chapter 27 to 28, meaning chapter 27 had to end for chapter 28 in Matthew's story to begin. Jesus had to die so that he could be raised anew. And so the words of Matthew 28, 18 through 20 are from a new new risen Jesus, a living Jesus, but it had to come from an ending. You see, new life happens because of endings. Endings bring new opportunity, and we often don't want to think of them in these terms because we often mourn endings. We've been mourning endings for a year now, haven't we? We've been mourning the ending of something that was before us, the life that we led, the things that we did. We've been mourning that, that we've been having to wear face coverings and stay distant and not do or go and be a part of the things that we wanted to do. We've been mourning endings, but out of endings, new beginnings can happen. And so maybe as a church, instead of thinking of the things that were once, maybe we begin to see that out of the endings, we can see new beginnings, new life, because this is very biblical. Resurrection and new life and arisen Jesus does not occur until there is crucifixion and death on a cross. We cannot forget the crucifixion. And we don't, right? We love the cross we'll wear the cross. We'll draw the cross. We'll put the cross on our bumper of our car to let people know that we believe in the cross and the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And it is a faithful symbol of hope, but it's the symbol of death. We do realize that Jesus was murdered and hung. And when Matthew doesn't get as uh, into the uh, as graphic or into the details as Luke does, for instance, but Jesus was nailed to that cross. Pierced for our transgressions on that cross and now of that death out of that symbol of hope comes something new resurrection life life with new opportunity hopeful life that comes in a risen savior that ending brought a new beginning so i very much appreciate ryan taking time this morning to read and for us to dwell in the crucifixion. Because Jesus died for you. And that's not just a saying, that is a reality and a truth that must sink deep inside of our souls. It is a truth we must embrace and hold on to. The cross is worth holding on to because out of that death, out of those nails in his wrist in his feet out of the torture and the mockery out of what came on the cross came something new and something hopeful and something life-giving chris i want to skip two slides ahead i'm going to pick up in verse 45 of matthew chapter 27 jesus has been nailed to the cross He has been insulted and beaten. He is struggling for breath on this piece of wood. He hangs there for you and for me. Verse 45, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About 3 in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lema Sebekthani, which means my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those there heard him say this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah can come save him now. Verse 50. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open you see the ending is where resurrection is now possible because this is the this is the logical ending of a story isn't it when someone dies the way someone has just died before our eyes as we read through the the gospel story that Matthew tells this is the ending no one comes out of this right This is the logical conclusion of the story, but out of this ending, Matthew could now begin the story to which he's wanted to tell the entire time. This is the story of life. This is the story of hope. This is the story of a God who can conquer a death on a cross. This is the God who brings something new to those that he died for. A few weeks ago, uh, about... Uh, a little over three weeks ago, I shaved my my beard. I didn't tell my family I was doing it. I've had a beard for um, a little over a year, I guess. Uh, I I shaved it a while ago, and I guess my family got used to it. Um, I had one child say, what did you do? I had one child look at me, roll their eyes and say, okay. My wife looked at me and said, these are the first words out of her mouth, grow it back. Which is why I'm growing it back. My favorite, though, is my five-year-old, my scout, who's not feeling well this morning, but scout sees me. She stops. She looks at me in the room. She gives me one of those up and downs with her eyes, and she says, you're ugly. Which is why I'm growing it back. Right? Sudden ends are startling, it would seem. Everything from facial hair to new beginnings a new life and different things that are going on. That's why we typically aren't people who are fond of transitions. Because it means we'll have to change our habits, we'll have to change our routines, we might have to dress differently, we'll have to do these... Di- like All these differences really start to mess with us. And so, in a lot of ways, Matthew's story, if we wanted to feel better, would have ended right here. Because it's logical and it makes sense. But Matthew wants to startle us. Matthew wants to push us. Matthew wants to tell the story that will change lives forever. And it is the story that resurrection will come out of this gruesome crucifixion of Jesus Christ. We will look at it and go, this doesn't make sense. We will look at it and say, I don't know what this is. And Matthew is perfectly okay with us not understanding what is happening here at first. But this is the story. This is the message. This is the life to which Jesus has been living his entire earthly ministry in. A story of crucifixion. Because in crucifixion, the beginning to now begin. And I want to highlight this just for a moment. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Notice I said Matthew chapter 16, which is well before the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Jesus says this to his 12 disciples Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. that Jesus is already thinking and, and focusing on what is to come for him as a sacrifice. And he is already bringing his disciples' attention. He is bringing their eyes and their focus to the cross. Why? Because he knows out of the ending of death, life, resurrection, life can occur. And Jesus is asking his disciples of that day and his disciples of this day to do this. To be people who are willing to die. Because in death we can find a beginning. We like this verse. I don't think we're very good at applying this verse. But we like it. Jesus is focus for his disciples is to do this see and live life in death because in death you'll have life just the other day there's a little caesars by the house which is really dangerous when you're a couple of parents who forget to plan dinner Okay. This happens often in the Aiken's house. And so I'm ordering pizza at Little Caesars across the street. Scout again, a scout. She's full of uh, sermon illustrations these days. She goes with me. She's in the car. We have to wait a couple of minutes while they're making the pizzas. And there's a banner outside of Little Caesars and it reads two for $10. Okay. It was like two pepperonis for $10. Scout. Five years old in kindergarten, she's starting to uh, to read, uh, uh, and she looks at the sign and she goes, "Dad, two or ten? You should get the two dollar pizza." I said, "I would." Did you know that sign says it's two pizzas for ten dollars? Her eyes got really big, and she looked at the sign, and she looked at me, and she goes. You can read numbers? Yes, I can. But it made me think of this, because for her, right, this is new. This is a new way of, this is like a new language. My oldest over here, she wants to be fluent in Spanish, and she knows that to be fluent in Spanish, she not only has to study it, she has to speak it, she has to listen, there's, there's a lot that goes on in that kind of mission or goal, right? This is new. It's something entirely new altogether. And I think this is what Matthew is doing with his story, that this is the good news. This ought to be startling. It's like, I'm not really sure what I'm reading here or what if I completely understand it, but there's something here and we have to learn to read it and understand it. And most importantly for Jesus, I think, live it differently than what is around us. That's Matthew 16 verse 24, That is not about you. It's about denying you. It's not about avoiding the cross. It's about actually taking up the cross. The cross to where you will die. That's how discipleship is lived out in any century, in any time. Because if we're going to be people of Jesus, we must be people who recognize and embrace the end. Because there is a beginning, and when we we think of this, I think I think we overcomplicate. Complicated. I got this. Is it the next slide, Chris? Right. Maybe hard to see with all the lights on in here, but I'm afraid we think of our our Christian faith, our walk with Jesus, a little too complicated. Right. That. That we got all these great things in the Bible and some things we can embrace and understand and some things can be very difficult at times and we have all these different, it seems like a really difficult math equation that sits before us. And what we do is, is we hone in on certain things that we like or we understand and what happens is if we're honest with ourselves is the things that we like or we understand, the parts of the equation that we understand, we'll forget the other parts. And this is why we become so tunnel vision. This is why we become so self centered or, or we have all the right answers. Because if people would think like me, you would know that this is the most important part. You can just forget about these other things. And we kind of complicate all this. When Jesus comes in, his disciples still, Jesus still alive before his disciples says, I want you to do a couple of things for me. I want you to deny yourself. And I want you to pair that up with taking up a cross and that's going to equal something that is different and transformative and it's going to equal following into my footsteps, this kingdom life to which Matthew spends a whole lot of time talking about. We worry if we got it all figured out when Jesus says what you need to figure out is if you're going to die. Are you willing to die and go to the cross? Are you willing to put others before you? Is Jesus important enough where you're not important at all? It's not an overcomplication. It is a denial of something really hard we don't want to do. Jesus promises to be with you. That's why he goes to the cross. He goes to the cross and he bears sin. And he holds it in and he holds it, the weight of the sin that is before all human beings throughout all time, and he holds it there and he, and he lifts it and he carries it to death on the cross. Why? Because life Comes from the cross. The empty tomb happens because of that ending, because of Jesus's willingness to die for you. You now have the opportunity to do something that is new, that is hopeful, that is opportunistic, that is uh, that is uh, positive and opportunistic in this place. It is a beginning that is Jesus-centered, Jesus-oriented. It is understanding, not a difficult math equation. It is understanding that Jesus, Emmanuel, came to be with us. Maybe this is the math equation we should be thinking of. Jesus came to be with us, Emmanuel. he dies on the cross for your sins. But out of that death comes new life, a new resurrection in the empty tomb. At the end of Matthew, Jesus is raised anew. He's ascended into heaven. But Jesus promises something that we hope and hold on to this very day. His return. The risen Savior's return. We have hope. We have hope in pandemics. We have hope for what is to come. We have hope in trials. We have hope in joys. We have hope every single day because our risen Savior has promised that He will be with us to the very end of the age, that He will return before us, and that He will make all things new. We have hope, church. Are we going to be people who live in this hope? Will we be the people who live resurrection, hopefulness, joyfulness, life, its very self that comes from his death? This morning, I want to end with Paul's words in Galatians chapter 6 verse 14, because I found them incredibly fitting at the end of my week. as I continue to study and think about this morning and this message. Galatians 6.14 struck me. The words of the Apostle Paul, I want to be our final words in this place this morning. This is our invitation. The invitation this morning is the Lord's invitation to respond to death. Will you, will you be willing to deny yourself? Will you, be willing to take up your cross and new life through the waters of baptism or in renewal in your relationship with Jesus Christ? Will you be a person who says that this is enough and Jesus is everything for me? Will you follow him? I'm going to make myself available down front this morning. As always, I'm around. If there's anything that I or this church can do for you, do not hesitate. As we walk together in death but most importantly as we go together in life in this resurrection life Galatians 6 verse 14 let's stand together as we end this message this morning one verse and you may know it already may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Brandon